0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Remarkably Us, the podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Roan, sober gal living in Southern California, navigating all the ins and outs of life. After what we'll call the great breakdown of 2019, I've been journeying through self-discovery, sobriety, trauma, divorce, relationships, all of the above. In this podcast, I'll have solo episodes where I talk about my life, the things that I am dealing with, have dealt with, and all the tools I've collected in maintaining a consistent environment for self-growth, love, and discovery. We'll also hear from others who are breaking barriers and climbing incredibly tough mountains. Get ready to get inspired and motivated to laugh and to cry, but most importantly, to love a little. Let's jump right into it. So today, hello, Hi, we are talking about sober events hmm, or going to an event as a sober individual, someone who's sober curious, if you don't, if you just don't drink, anything like that, and also dating drinkers as a (laughs) non-drinker. So get ready for all the tea. Oh my gosh. Okay. I hope everyone had a great week. A great weekend. I have been feeling a lot of stress lately, um, just with work and life. So I'm trying to maintain balance, but it's hard sometimes. It's we're nearing the end of the year, and I have what I call. <laughs> Pre-holiday anxiety, which is different than my normal everyday anxiety. <laughs> Pre-holiday anxiety for me is that like, holy shit! Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, my birthday are all within the next two months um, from now. Two months from now, all of those things are going to happen, and when a holiday come when the holidays come up for me I automatically start to think back to what was going on last year what I was doing and then I always have this like mixture of emotions um a whole fucking year has gone by and what have I done you know like I am not this like high, I don't know, you know, I'm not sitting in like a, you know, CEO chair or I'm not like driving a Range Rover. And so now I'm like, well, that was on my fucking bucket list or my, you know, my list for 2021. So I failed. Um, so those emotions start to come up, which I try really hard to, to settle down because, We collectively as a society have been through a lot in the last year, in the last two years, and my life looks a lot different right now than it did last year. Um, My thought processes are different. Um, Just my day-to-day life is a little bit different and which is normal. That should happen. We're continuously growing and evolving. And so Instead of immediately going to that, which is also, I mean, that's my first mind. My first thought just because of the way that I have always been is immediately that, right? We're nearing the end of the year and here are all the things that I haven't done. Here's this level that I wanted to be at at the end of this year and I'm not there. I've failed um when i wake up in the morning you know my almost my first thought is is that you know not all the time but more often than i would like to is that i didn't get enough sleep i slept in too late i'm not going to be able to get all this stuff done look at all this stuff i have to do today oh my gosh i have to do this and this and this and this and this and, this. and instead of waking up and just being grateful actually fucking waking up. So one thing that I think over the last year I have really tried to do is remind myself of how blessed I am right now. Um, I still really find that power in my gratitude practices. And now I've taken, um, the grat- my gratitude practice and moved it into just journaling. So every morning when I get up, um, not every single morning, but I end up, this is one of the things on my, you know, my kind of my routine list that gets checked off the most out of everything else, you know, um, workout or uh, meditating or doing yoga or something like that. Um, this has I've found to be one of the easiest things for me to sit and do right. When I wake up, it's, I get up and I have a cup of coffee. I look at my schedule for the day and then I sit and I journal. And this can be, sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. And I just kind of journal about how I'm feeling that morning. What I woke up feeling like, um, I try not to to write in my journal, just like my plan for the day and what I have to do, <laughs> because otherwise I will I'll be like, okay, so at eight 15, I'm going to do this. And then at night, you know, and then it basically my journal entry for that morning looks like a fucking to-do list. So instead I try to focus it on my feelings and how I am, how I woke up that morning. And then also what I'm grateful for that day and how blessed I am. And I throw in some affirmations in there and, that has really helped me to just, it kind of starts my day off with, without that, like immense pressure to get all this stuff done. Um, as you guys know, I spend like half the week up with my old nanny fam. The mom Kira was on last week's episode. So if you haven't, go, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out because we're fucking hilarious. So I spend half of my week really there until my tiny home is finished, which should be in the next few months or so. Um, You know, hopefully by what, you know, end of January, I'll be completely moved in there. So I go back and forth a lot between like my apartment and there. So um, that can be really taxing on all my routines. My mornings and nights look completely different when I'm up there. So I just have to be really mindful to make sure that I'm still getting time for myself and fitting in, you know, my activity and my journaling or meditating just as much as I can. Um, so I mean, all in all, I am so blessed and really grateful for them and the life that, like, we're creating together, Megan. So. Anyways, that's where I'm at. That's where your girl is at right now. Um, let's, okay, let's get into today's topic or I, I can talk about this for a whole episode. So I went to a wedding. <laughs> I went to a wedding last weekend. Uh, that was last, was that just last weekend? Two weekends, Halloween weekend, which was, yeah, just last weekend. And obviously as most weddings are, most everyone was drinking. There were only a couple of people there that weren't drinking at all. Um, now I feel like I've been to quite a few events since 2019 where it's primarily drinkers and the norm is really to drink. And I am a non drinker and I've learned a few, I've learned a few things. Um, This wedding was at a winery and was just, oh my gosh, it was so beautiful and really was like the perfect weekend. So in these events since 2019, there's been a variety of situations that I've been in. There's been situations when I feel like I'm kind of pressured to drink. I've been in situations where everyone is like, whatever. All right, you don't drink. That's cool. And I've also been into situations that are kind of in between. So at this particular one, I think a good majority of the people thought that I was drinking because I brought in a beer and I had the bartender hold it for me, which I highly highly recommend that you do, but most people thought, cause I had like a can of, you know, it looked like a Sam Adams. It was one of those, um, Sam Adams IPAs. And so, um, I had that, you know, pretty much all night. So I think a lot of the people, you know, thought that I was drinking and, you know, it's small conversations at a big event like that, where, um, you know, I'm sitting next to a girl and, um, you know, she's taking a shot and, you know, she's talking about drinking and she's like, you know, Oh, we're gonna, um, we are, we've got a bottle of, um, you know, we've got Tito's in our water bottle and we've got this and that. And, and most of the time I just don't really even say anything, um, I just kind of like laugh and not like smile and nod, you know, and because it's just, for me, I am realizing that I want people to be comfortable around me. I am comfortable in drinking scenarios. I'm comfortable in, um, at weddings and at birthday parties and at events and things like that, where like the majority of people are drinking. Um, and so it's interesting that like that dynamic of like people just automatically are kind of assume that you're drinking, but like little things like the toast, obviously I so I had a glass of actual champagne in front of me And I used it, you know, you have the champagne flute and they come around and they pour, you know, champagne in it. And um, I used it to toast, you know, at any of the, any of the, you know, situations that called for a toast. I used it for, but I just didn't actually take a sip. And I thought in that moment, in a couple of moments where, you know, I raised my glass and everyone at the table would take a sip and I would just set it down. I thought that could be potentially very triggering for someone and really, really, really difficult for some people in recovery. Um, is that like, I had a glass of champagne in my hand. (laughs) I could have very easily taken a sip of it and I just, you know, did my toast and just put it down. Um, another wedding, that I went to over the summer, they had non-alcoholic champagne, which was really nice because, you know, I, I, I knew that it was non-alcoholic and I, you know, there would be a toast and then I could actually, you know, I could take a sip of it and things like that. I think that my takeaway from that, from these events really is to be prepared. Oh, completely not going into anything blind or without some sort of a plan and to set boundaries, make sure that you're set up for success. We had um, an Airbnb three minutes from the venue and I wanted to do that so that if at any time I got overwhelmed or like if the party was going on super late and I'm like sober and tired and ready, you know, or was feeling pressure or anything like that, that I had somewhere to go to that was easily accessible Now, this has been a very evolving process for me, um, is understanding my sobriety, which is completely unique to me, and really knowing myself on a deeper level to understand what my needs are. I really like to have NA options wherever I go. If there's going to be a party, an event, a get-together, I want NA options and i want an escape route things like that are very important so that i know that i'm set up for success so that in any situation you know anything that happens i'm good to go i'm also i have such a deeper understanding of myself and my sobriety um you know the situations that might be really difficult for me to um continue to not drink in right situations that I might be in that would be really hard for me to like say no you know like I'm cool if you got like a plate (laughs) and you're like doing it in the other room or you know like if I don't see it but I so (laughs) I don't know if I I don't know if I have the power if someone brings out a tray and it's sitting right in front of me. I don't know. So I'm just like, those are things I know. I'm gonna avoid that situation. um it's such an evolving process. I think that knowing yourself and being comfortable in your sobriety is such is the base of a foundation for these you know for these events um and. You know, having a plan when, you know, if you feel pressured to drink or do anything or anything like that. Now, the individual (laughs) that I went to the wedding with is a drinker. And there were conversations that happened leading up to that weekend about what was going to happen and what I needed this was an open and honest conversation. He said he was going to drink. I personally am okay with spending time with people that drink. I made it clear that the Airbnb was my escape if it needed to be, and that I was going to bring, you know, some NA drinks with me. This Person was so respectful of that the entire weekend. And it was never an issue. I also had this understanding, you know, that this is a wedding and people are going to be drinking probably pretty heavily. And that communication is so important. This is what I'm comfortable with. And then from the other person, this is what I'm comfortable with. And then you meet somewhere in between there is give and take. Absolutely. I think that for me in the beginning, I was so much, I was so focused on what I needed. I was very like, This is exactly what I need. And if you can't fit into that, (laughs) then you can fuck off. (laughs) And I'm learning that setting boundaries with yourself and understanding what you need in all aspects of that. And then communicating that is one thing, but there's also a level of give and take that needs to happen with when two people, whether they are in a romantic relationship or in a friendship that, that has to happen. There's give and take. So this level of like setting those boundaries for myself, communicating them, and then really coming to a place of patience and understanding i that's something that i completely 100% owe to my sobriety learning how to establish and communicate those boundaries because so much of my sobriety really has been it has to be and has been focused on how i'm feeling and making sure the people i care about are in the know of those feelings so I've dated, uh, I think maybe three or four people in the last week. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. In the last couple of years, since I stopped drinking, right? I've dated probably, I don't know, a few people, three or four. I'm not even sure. I don't know. I'm bad with numbers (laughs) that didn't drink. Now these are ranging from people that are in like active recovery to people that just don't really like it. And like all on that spectrum, you know, people that literally do not drink unless it's like Friday or Saturday night and they're in the club, people that don't drink because they're in recovery and they've been sober for eight years, people that just like, "Mm, I'll have like a glass of wine, maybe with dinner, but like, I don't really necessarily like it. Like that whole spectrum. I also have dated people that do drink and that drink, you know, not heavily. Well, yes, I do have dated a couple of people that drink very heavily. That was a, that was a, lot, a few years ago. Um, it's just, I've dated, I dated the spectrum. And I think that the biggest thing that I have learned from dating people that drink is the, the foundation of my needs and my boundaries has to be solid. It has to be for me to even know what I need. And I have learning, and this is more recently, I am, your, your girl's, your girl's heart is softening. It's growing. I'm the Grinch and my heart is growing, has grown three sizes. But I have learned recently that I also need a level of patience and understanding Now, this is something that I am realizing I need specifically, yes, with, if I am going to date someone that drinks, I need that, my foundation, I need my boundaries. I need my, you know, my needs, but I also need to have a patience and understanding that that's not everybody right now. Drinkers that I dated before didn't give me that respect. The even like wanting to understand what I might need. You know, I dated my ex husband. He tried, he really did. I got to hand it to him though. I was, I mean, he caught me in the last leg of my drinking, which was very heavy and then he caught the first um, you know nine months of me like learning that I might need to get sober and stop drinking and so that was a point where I was very, very, very much like I'm cutting this out if anyone, you know <laughs> if anyone makes me sway on my beliefs or what I need, I'm no, I cannot handle it. And yes, I, I kind of needed that in the beginning, right? I needed that very, like I needed to be very firm with myself and be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. This is what I need. I'm going to a meeting. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And if you don't like it, you can, there's the fucking door. Well, I, I ended up being like, well, there's the door. Watch, watch me walk through it. But I got it. I definitely, and you know what? Hold on. Let me, let me pause. My (laughs) ex-husband, he, I have no bad blood towards him. None. Um, that relationship has been over for a long time. And unfortunately i think that i was searching for something like like this like substances like alcohol and with drugs i was always searching for something external to make me feel like i belonged somewhere to make me feel like i had a place um you know to to fill all of these voids that I had. And I, that, all, you know, all of my relationships in the past, really, that's pretty much been, you know, why I have gone into them is to fill some sort of a void. Um, it just was one of those situations where it didn't work out. We both did things that We're not very great to each other. There is not more blame to put on either one of us because looking back, I was a fucking train wreck. And then especially you get me in my first nine months of sobriety, and I'm I have no idea what I was, I had no idea what I was doing. I was doing it alone. I just, you know, we were not good together. Um, once I actually started getting to know myself and realizing this, we just were not good together. He wanted to live a life that was very different from a life that I wanted to live. His needs and desires and all of his, you know, wants were very different from mine. So that said, (laughs) I definitely did not get a lot of, I didn't feel that I got a lot of support. And I also was very like, this is what I need. <laughs> and if you can't do this and to, you know, to support me through this decision of stopping drinking, then fuck you. So I didn't, not only did I not understand with the people that I've dated in the past, the drinkers that I've dated in the past, not only did I not even understand what I needed. I also, I didn't communicate that. And I, so I didn't get that back, right. If I'm not communicating what I need, how am I supposed to get effective and healthy communication back? I didn't get res- the respect. I didn't get that, you know, desire to understand what I needed. So all of that mixed together and all these different, you know, kind of relationships that I'd been in. Obviously, a fucking recipe for disaster. I wasn't as solid as I am now to really be able to communicate my needs and my boundaries and what I struggle with, things like that. Now, I feel so much more solid in who I am that it's much easier for me to put that into words. And It's easier for me to take a step back outside of my little life and look at the bigger picture and see, uh, you know, and say, okay, here are two people that are trying to come together. These are the things that this person needs and is saying that they need. These are the things that this person is saying that they need. How can we come together as partners to make this work? Because it's it's not a hundred percent one way and a hundred percent the other way. There has to be that uh, that meat in the middle there, and I'm learning that. I'm learning all of those things, which is hard. It's really tough, um, but I feel like I have also the desire to want to be patient and understand where the other person is coming from and what their needs are. And I have the patience and understanding and willingness to maybe sway a little bit on mine. Not a lot, right? But a little bit. Think if you're traveling. Um, Say I'm out of town for five days. I'm working a couple of those days from somewhere else. And the other days are the weekend. My routine is going to look a lot different than when it does when I am at my house, in my bed, waking up in my apartment, inside, you know, really in my routine. That is kind of like how I view bringing a partner into your life. You still have the ability to do all these things that you need to. It just might look a little bit different, but as long as you're willing to give that and communicate, okay, so this looks different because you're here for this. This looks different because I'm here for that. What is that going to look like for us? Um, You know, having the desire to the people that I've dated before. <laughs> I didn't think that I had I don't think I had any desire to like communicate and be like, "Well, eh, that's not working," or eh, this isn't working." Now, your girls your girl's heart is softening a little bit. But anyways, I think that those are my biggest things. That I am taking away from the last couple of months of my life. Going to sober events, having your success plan set up and ready to go. What do you need to go to an event as a non drinker where you're going to be surrounded by drinkers? Do you need non alcoholic options? Do you need an escape plan? Do you need, you know, um, do you need a, your support group? Do you need to have a meeting on deck? Like, What do you need for wherever you're at in your sobriety or, um, you know, even just in general, don't go into a, no one should go into an event blind, have some sort of a plan of what you're going to need to, to set yourself up for success. Are you, do you deal with social anxiety? What do you need to deal with this event then? What's going to help you get through this to make this enjoyable for yourself? Right. And I was going to talk about, (laughs) I was going to talk about sober sex, but my mom listens to this podcast. So Maybe I'll have another one and I'll just tell her not to listen to that episode because my goodness, sober Sober sex is monumentally better than drunk sex, which is funny because in the past I have said, that's one of the things that I miss about dating while drinking was like, Going out and having some drinks and being all, you know, all free and whatever, and then having like incredible drunk sex. Now I'm like switching those. I'm like, actually, I love always being in tune with myself. I love never being clouded and foggy. I love always being present with my body and. The other, the other body of the other participant. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'll do an episode on sober sex, and I'll just tell my mom not to listen to that one because, no. oh my goodness. Um, but I think that as someone who doesn't drink, dating a drinker has looked really different for me over the last three years. Um, in the beginning, it was very traumatic (laughs) because I was, you know, it just was not picking right. I was, I was not solid in what I needed and I wasn't solid in my sobriety. I didn't even know in the beginning if like, I wanted to be sober. I just thought I was maybe taking a break. So as the, as the years have gone on and I've gotten more comfortable with myself, more confident in myself and more confident in voicing, no, like this is, this is the way that I live my life. These are the things that I really need to do to set myself up for success all the time. I'm more confident in communicating those. And I'm also learning that as someone that is, you know, in my sobriety, this has taught me to, have such a deeper level of patience and understanding for the other partner, you know, for the other friend and to really try to always take into consideration, maybe what that person is going to need as well as my own needs. Um, so I think that's it. I think, I think that's it. Um, Stay tuned for next week when we talk about my sex life. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I need to have a conversation with my mom. Um, I love you guys so much. I really did. I had such an amazing time at uh at this wedding. Um, we really just had such a great time. Um, my heart is warming. It still is really, I am uh I am a closed off bitch. Let me tell you, there are times when, like, so much of me wants to be like, here are my feelings. And, like, man, it's like I have a, it's like I have a wall that I can't even like push yet. I'm, it's, I'm learning and I'm getting there, but I'm guarded. I'm very guarded and I'm very, leery about putting all of my trust into somebody um because of how many times my trust has been broken in the past i just it's hard for me i'm really really actively trying to be more open and more vulnerable and let down some of these guards that I have built up, you know, over my entire life. It's going to take some time, but they are chipping away. Definitely. Thug shell is softening up, you guys. Okay. That is it. I will let you guys go. Thank you so much for listening If you want some additional content or want to reach out to me, go follow me on Instagram at remarkably underscore us. You can also check out my website, remarkablyus.com, for some blogs, information, episode links, all on how to live your most remarkable life possible. Feel free to reach out to me at any time with any questions. If you think this episode would help anyone, please share, be kind, and please never forget how wildly capable you are.